0: Get in touch with technology with Tech Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com.
1: Hey there, and welcome to Tech Stuff. I'm Jonathan Strickland.
0: And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And
1: today we're going to talk about mobile web advertising. Yes. Now, I know that uh, for some of you, this, you're probably thinking, like, well, how is that interesting? Really, this is incredible. Incredibly important stuff because we're talking about a fundamental change in the habits of users and the way that they, they browse the web and consume content, which in turn means a fundamental change in the way that, uh, we can generate any form of revenue or monetization so that we can continue to create content. And when I say we, I mean everyone who creates content, oh,
0: right? Right. Although it, it is probably critical at this juncture to, to, to note that, that this is absolutely a thing that how stuff works thinks about.
1: Oh, sure. Yeah. Any, Big time. Any company that has a web presence and they are... Let alone
0: a company that is that is a web presence, right. period. Yeah.
1: They're, they're all concerned about this because they want to make sure that they're continuing to serve up an experience that is a good experience for the people who are using the web on whatever device they happen to be on. Mm-hmm.
0: And furthermore, something that can actually make them money. Yeah.
1: And as it turns out, this whole mobile... Uh, m- this move to mobile browsing is really disruptive as far as that goes but it's a,
0: it's it's a pretty big industry as yeah. of um as of August 28, 2013 according to an insight company called e marketer the mobile advertising global market is set to be uh worth over 16 billion dollars this year
1: that's a lot of money um
0: which is an 89% growth over 2012
1: And I imagine that in 2014, we'll see that number even go even higher because you're seeing when you start looking at sales figures for things like tablets and smartphones, they're through the roof and it's across the globe, although I will say and we'll get into this. Different parts of the globe value different uh, platforms. Some are very tablet crazy and some are like, no, I want my smartphone.
0: Right. Absolutely. But uh, but eMarketer is also saying that the desktop ad market um is set to peak in 2014 at around 35 billion and be on a de- decline after that.
1: Yeah. And part of the reason for that is that uh, we're seeing more and more people move away from those traditional desktop and laptop platforms. Uh, and we're also seeing, because we're seeing this move toward mobile, that itself is, is in part devaluing advertising on those traditional platforms, right? So if everyone is moving to something else, then you can't sell your, your website that's designed for a desktop as a, an ideal place for you, for advertisers to put ads because If no one's using a desktop to view that website, then no one's getting that content. Right. And whenever
0: you have that split, you're going to have some people who are who are very happy with their experience and some people who are not just because of the way that the page was designed, as I'm sure everyone listening to this has has had the experience of in the past.
1: Right. There's even some discussion and some debate about the value of, say, a specific app for uh, a web content creator versus a mobile browser. Absolutely. So there are websites out there that have apps. Works has an app. And uh, then they also have a presence on the web, an actual website. And there are some people who who say that they much prefer the experience of going through a mobile website than using an app, even if that app has been optimized to uh, to really feature whatever the content is of that website. Because I guess part, part of it is that, when you're in a web browser, you have a lot more freedom to go from one place to another. And that may not be uh, within the confines of whatever website you're visiting. Whereas if you're going through an app, that's pretty much what you're seeing.
0: Right. 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 So, So OK, so some of those more traditional methods that that, yeah. that we're thinking are going to peak in the next couple of years.
1: Right. So, of course, the, the one that we all know, because these date back to the very earliest days of web pages, are banner ads,
0: right? Those are the things that will that you'll see along the top, or sometimes along the side yeah. of a web page that you're viewing,
1: right? Yeah, some people some people will go so far as to differentiate banner ads from whatever appears on the side, sidebar. but uh, but yeah, mm-hmm. sidebar. But it's essentially the same thing. This is something that is part of the frame of the website you're looking at. So uh, you're all familiar with this, I know. So I don't. I'm not going to go into yeah. great detail about what it is because, assuming that you're listening to a podcast, I'm pretty sure you've visited <laughs> a web page that's had a banner ad on it. So uh, that's one v- version. Another, of course, are the dreaded pop-ups and pop-unders. These are uh, the ads that will either generate a window on top of or beneath your web browser. So if it's on top of your web browser, you start It looking- interrupts
0: your viewing experience. Uh, if it's underneath, you'll see it when you finally close your your page.
1: Yeah, when you close your page or you close your browser and suddenly you see like 18 different windows there, and you think, whoa, what and, was going starts, on? something
0: starts making noise that you're not looking at. Oh, and- man.
1: Hey, Lauren, let me ask you, is your favorite kind of ad my favorite kind of ad? You know, the one that immediately starts to autoplay video with sound.
0: That's my favorite. How did you know? Yeah,
1: it's also great when you're doing research at work and then suddenly you've got like, uh, you know, Despicable Me minions screaming at the top of their lungs, banana. And you're like, well, I didn't plan on treating everyone to that.
0: Professionalism.
1: Or if you're or if you're like me and you think I'm going to. Click on this link and walk away to get coffee because it's going to take while a while for this loads. page to load, and then yeah. you come back and there's a circus going on at your desk, and all the writers and editors of How Stuff Work hate you even more than they did already. Anyway, so besides pop-ups and pop-unders, you also have floating ads. These are the ones that actually float over the text. They may even move as, you know, and block your view of it. And sometimes there's not even a way of closing it. You just have to wait until it goes away. And, uh, expanding ads. These are the ones where if your cursor goes over it, it suddenly expands to fill up.
0: And sometimes we'll then start playing music or video. Yeah,
1: that can also happen. Uh, But it'll, it'll cover most of the web content that you were uh, going to visit. Uh, then there are, of course, ads that are, are not ads. Inline
0: text ads. Yeah. um, uh, Which are a little bit sneakier. Those, those are the things that you might have seen, like a double underline in an article that you were reading that should you happen to, uh, click click on it, it.
1: It might take you, it'll take you to some, whoever is Actually purchase the ad and usually it's something that directly relates to whatever the term is. So for example, if I were to write a blog post and I'm mentioning a particular type of camera, there might be a double underlined version of the camera's name. And if you clicked on it, it might take you to say Amazon.com or some other retail site right, uh, right, where you could purchase uh, the camera. Right. Sure. So, uh, I mean, that's one. It's. Usually considered a slightly less obtrusive, but it can also be um, sneaky or misleading, or uh, just you know it might be one of those things where you're really you've trained your mind in that Wikipedia approach where everything that's a, a link will just take you to a different article, right? And you're expecting an article, and you get a something a shop.
0: informational rather than editorial. But but yeah.
1: you never know, you know. Uh, yeah. And then there are uh, there's also search engine marketing. That's where you end up paying a search engine to feature your product. Uh, on a results page that relates back to whatever that product is.
0: Those those will be like a Google sponsored ads that pop up along the like usually the first two at the top, and then maybe a few along a sidebar.
1: Right. So it's usually that are are
0: related to your search and and can be really very helpful. Uh, depending on on the the algorithms that Google is using for that particular ad, but um, but yeah, as has. been found to uh, to create some confusion in some populations of internet goers as right. to whether those are um, really the best search result or something that is sponsored. Some people apparently don't read the fine print.
1: Right, right. Now there are different ways that these ads are actually uh, uh,
0: making money. Yeah. For, so
1: right. we're going to take you into the inside come along with us. Of course, if you've listened to Tech Stuff for a while, you've heard that Chris and I did an episode about um, web advertising ages ago, uh, and you probably have heard these terms from that as well. But it's certainly important in our discussion about mobile advertising. So uh, one of the very common forms of compensation is the CPM, which is cost per mil, which is not cost per million, but rather cost per thousand. thousand and we're talking about impressions here or views so it's every single time that page that that has that ad on it has been loaded into a browser whether that's someone who has loaded it and then hit refresh a billion times or if it's a billion people who looked at that page once. Right. So it's counting up every time that page is loaded, because every time that page is loaded, that ad has been displayed.
0: And so that's a certain amount of money for every thousand displays of of the page and therefore the ad.
1: Right. And then that, that amount of money has changed dramatically over the, the history of online advertising. There was a time where if you had a really heavily trafficked site, you could demand a pretty high price. For that, you know, we're talking, you know, you might think 30 or $40 for every thousand views isn't much, but if you get million, a million views per day, that really starts to add up. But then, you know, you have, we talked about devaluing, you start to see that, that amount go down, even for the most heavily traffic sites, because a lot of that traffic starts to come in through mobile. And we'll talk about why that's a problem in a little bit.
0: Right. Uh, so after that, you've got CPC, which is cost per click.
1: Yeah. Now, this is actually people who don't just see an ad, but actively click on that ad to go through and look at whatever the site is that that sponsors that ad. Mm-hmm. So in this case, it doesn't matter how many people view it. What matters is how many people click it. And you could argue that this is not entirely up to the content creator because the content creator is just creating stuff that they want people to to look at. The advertiser would have to create an ad that was enticing enough to get people to click or tricky enough so that people click on it by accident, although I think most people would argue – that that's not very effective. That's not
0: really a, to the benefit of all involved,
1: right? And it all depends on who's doing the marketing, too, right? If it's a third-party marketing department that is creating these ads and all they are concerned with is throwing as much uh, traffic to the to the advertisers as possible, possible, then they might not really care if it's truly effective in getting people to convert. That's where we talk about conversion numbers to convert over into buying something. Uh, what's the third one?
0: That third one is, uh, CPA. That's cost per action. And that is, um, going a step further than cost per click. It's when someone has, has clicked through to a site and actually does whatever the advertiser wanted them to do, like purchase a product or, um, or
1: enter a free trial. So mm-hmm, if you've listened, right? Yeah. You've listened to us talk about our sponsors. We have several sponsors where they use this approach. So if our listeners go and they, uh, sign up for these things, then that means that the sponsor will end up uh, paying whatever the agreed, agreed upon, upon amount mm-hmm. is. So in other words, go and sign up for those things, guys, because that's awesome for us. <laughs> um, also, I mean, our sponsors are great, so that helps yes. too. Yes. So totally let's talk about the mobile ad problem. Now, the problem is that a lot of these these traditional ads that we talked about, the banner ads and the pop-ups, pop-unders, the text ads, are a lot harder to navigate or to see in a mobile platform, particularly when you're talking about something like a smartphone, where the landscape of viewable area is really tiny.
0: Right, right. And people are, are moving through at a pretty rapid rate of reading speed, um, maybe paying a little bit less attention.
1: Yeah, and or it may even be that in order to view whatever the content is of the website, they resize it so that they are own, so that the text or whatever it is they're looking is at... Is
0: actually readable, therefore blocking out the section of the page that had the ad yeah, on it.
1: Yeah, that stuff might um, not even appear on the screen.
0: Sure. There's also a lot of programming bugs in which, I mean, you know, we We've got so many many mobile devices and carriers and OSs that at a certain point it gets difficult for a single, you know.
1: Web developer to create a website that looks good on everything. Sure. Yeah. A lot of these websites also have mobile versions of them that are optimized for the the mobile viewing experience, which often means that they leave the ads off because there's just no space for them. It ends up. Making the the content look all squished, and that's a terrible experience for the user, which means that the user's less likely to, to go to back, that that right. website. So that means that in order to monetize the website, we have to start looking at different ways to uh, to to have kind of ads or sponsorships or whatever, because uh, the traditional ways just aren't uh, they they aren't designed with that platform in mind
0: right and this is certainly not a new problem or or a new set of problems as of 2007 mobile was becoming a priority among media and marketing executives um Mm -hmm. i mean that was before the iphone guys yeah um you know as of 2006 uh, nielsen had started tracking cell phone use across media
1: right right yeah i remember that i could browse with my old uh i had a nokia phone Mm -hmm. that uh Hey, Microsoft's buying them now. But I had an I had an old Nokia phone that um or Nokia phone that uh that could browse websites and you would just get in these little b texts and you'd have to you know, you wouldn't get any graphics at all. It's just text.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh I rapidly decided that was not an ideal experience for me.
0: Yeah, I believe I had a Samsung, like a like a flip flip phone that, that allowed uh, you
1: to do the same sort of similar, thing.
0: Or maybe a Motorola. Yeah, anyway. Yeah, any not, not not important.
1: It wasn't until I got a smartphone that I really started to use it to do things like browse the web.
0: Yeah. So um so some some of the trends that are going on right now.
1: Yeah. Let's talk about them. So I got a lot of this information from Adobe. Now, Adobe does a big digital index report every now and then. It's semi-regular is how I've seen it uh, described. And part of it is the State of Mobile Benchmark Study. And so these were some things that they found in their study. They found that tablets drive more web traffic than smartphones – and may actually be a PC replacement when it comes to web consumption. Now it's not that way, it's not like they've completely replaced PCs already. But that it looks like tablets are poised to take the place of PCs when it comes to just browsing the web and consuming content. For that those, way. for those
0: basic functions that are, you know, anything more simple than, um, you know, complex photo editing or video editing. something
1: right. Like that. So in general, people visit 70% more web pages per visit on a tablet than they do with a smartphone. So, you know, that just means that every time you get online with a tablet, then you're, you're, in general, you tend to be looking at more web pages than you would be if you were using a smartphone at the time. Now, it may turn out that people use smartphones more frequently than tablets, and so maybe those numbers are a little misleading. Because if you're using a smartphone a lot throughout the day, you may actually visit more web pages accumulatively <laughs> <laughs>
0: right, right. than you
1: would in one visit with the tablet.
0: And and there are more smartphones out there in the wild than there are tablets right That's, now. That
1: is absolutely true. There are far more smartphones than tablets in the wild. Although, uh, according to Adobe, tablets are still driving more traffic. Wow. Um, they said that people who use tablets to browse shops are three times more likely to buy something than someone on a smartphone. But, uh, it's probably important now to look at some actual numbers. <laughs> cause, cause you sit there and think, wow, if I was, if I'm using a tablet, I'm three times more likely to buy something than if I were looking at the same content on a smartphone. Hold on there, big guy. <laughs> so, as uh, far this is where we start talking about conversion, converting someone from browsing to buying.
0: That's and that's that action. That's yeah. that. That's a cost per action kind of rate that we were talking about earlier. Yeah.
1: This is this is where we go from hey, that's a pretty pair of shoes to hey, I own those shoes now. Right. So, if you're using a smartphone, uh, it said that there was a 0.7 percent conversion rate, meaning that 0.7 percent of the people shopping on a smartphone would buy stuff on a particular on a typical. Visit.
0: And so, three times that for, for tablets, that would make it 2.2%. <laughs>
1: yeah, so when we're talking three times, we're talking from uh, less than 1% to just over 2%. It's not, it's not like some overwhelming number. Uh, and but also for PCs, not that impressive, actually. It's
0: only 3.3% for PCs.
1: So, again, this is,
0: so, so this is not actually a, a method that is working on on a particularly calculable level across the field.
1: Yeah, now if you look at if you look at just the mass number of purchases, it ends up being huge numbers, right? We're talking billions of dollars, but when you're talking when you're looking at all of traffic that is going to these sites, it's a tiny little percentage. Now, uh if you were to compare that to say a person who walks into a brick and mortar store and how likely they are to actually walk out with a purchase, I'm sure the numbers are are pathetic. However, Way more people can come to your website than can come to a typical physical brick and store. mortar store. Yeah. You know, it's just the physical limitations there means that it's a totally different set of numbers. So even though it's a small percentage, it may still be a, a large number mm-hmm. of people. Sure.
0: That's still, I, I don't know. That nonetheless says to me that, uh, that possibly a better system could be found.
1: Oh, sure. If we can get to a point where we are compelled to buy, you know, that we are punished if we do not buy and that world is coming. I've said too much. <laughs> All right. So uh, the leading operating system in the United States, uh, mobile operating system, I should say, in the United States is here's a big shock.
0: iOS. Yeah.
1: People love their Apple products.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Sheep. Um, uh, just, was, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Like, hey, I'm just kidding. That's... My wife, my wife uses uh, an iPad and an iPhone. She loves it. I actually really think that iOS devices are amazing. I just happen to be an Android user. Right. So while I make the joke, I am not one of those people who's like Android good, iOS bad. Which is which is which is
0: good because because I might we might have to fight.
1: Yeah, and I don't want to do that because. She's scrappy, y'all.
0: I am. Uh, elbows like knives. Um, <sighs> but uh, yeah, and, and that's despite the fact that there are more Android devices overall available on the market.
1: Oh, yeah, sure. By yeah, far. Yeah. I mean,
0: considering that the I, iPhone is... Is one device, one right? Device, yeah,
1: yeah, you can buy an older iPhone, but it's still one line of products, whereas Android comes in all shapes, sizes, flavors, and problems. <laughs> uh, there's this whole fracturing of the market thing that we could talk about, but that's a different podcast. Uh Tablet versus smartphone use is not steady across the globe. I mentioned that earlier, that there are some places in the world where people prefer to browse on tablets and others where they prefer smartphones. So, for example, in the U.K., about 65 percent of people use tablets. So that's the majority there. But in China, it's like 90 percent of the people in China are using smartphones to browse the Web. So uh, so it's also hard to create a strategy, a mobile strategy. That is going to affect the entire globe. First of all, being able to do business around the world is problematic, too. That That's tr- sure, tricky. Sure,
0: sure. And, and that's why companies like I, – I think that right now Google owns more than half of the share in the mobile digital ad market across the globe.
1: Yeah, Google – when you think about it, Google – and we've said this before, too – Google is not really a search company. Google is an online advertising company
0: right and, and they've incorporated YouTube into that and they've incorporated
1: they've everything. incorporated everything like email the tracking GPS mm-hmm. tracking I mean there's but based upon what region you're in now a lot of this is opt-in so you're not forced to do it yet yet the compulsion's coming people just telling you now but no you're not forced to do it but uh, if you do it then you end up getting what we call targeted ads right they're targeted to you. Based upon your behaviors, based upon where you're from, if uh, if there are more demographic things known about you, like your gender and your age, that can go into targeted advertising, which I understand for some people. It's really kind of a creepy idea, this idea that the advertisers oh, right. somehow know more about me a lot
0: of me. privacy issues wrapped up in this. Now,
1: personally, and this is this is just personally, literally, like just as it applies to me, I don't apply this to anyone else. I love targeted advertising and the reason why I love it is because I'm seeing ads that are really much more relevant to my interests and I learn about things I never would have known about otherwise and I love to to be able to do that kind of shopping. But I would not say that everyone wants to have that exact same experience. Uh, there are people who have had very disruptive things happen to them because advertisers were able to figure out certain life situations and send them messages the unsolicited.
0: Oh, right, right. There's, there's that one horror story of that um girl, girl who was living with her parents and Target, based on her purchasing behavior, sent her a congratulations, you're having a baby yeah. package. Yeah, and
1: then her father got all upset at Target saying, how dare you send this to her? And then sent another letter to Target saying, I'm so Sorry, I did not realize my daughter was pregnant. And boy, yeah. So there are, there are definitely ways that this this tool can go wrong.
0: Oh, right. Uh, you know, it can be pretty awkward and pretty invasive. At the same time, I do have to say that, yes, I, I agree with you, Jonathan. And I personally am, am happier when, for example, I've just gone through a terrifyingly bad breakup and uh, Facebook is not sending me engagement ring ads. That's a, That's a great day for me. Yeah,
1: yeah. Personally. I, I could see that. OK, that's fair. Uh, the last point I have under the trends, this one I recommend we all take with a huge grain of salt. And the reason is that, like you said, Lauren, at the top of the show, some of the sources we have for the information are from companies that have a vested interest in online advertising.
0: Basically all of them, which yeah. which, which makes things a little bit
1: sticky. Right. Because, I mean, they might be saying, hey, you know, you shouldn't get out of desktop advertising because it's going to come back in a big way. And it turns out the reason why they say that is because they have this whole advertising strategy that they want Based to sell you.
0: upon, right.
1: But in this case, there's a company called HostGator, which is vested in mobile advertising. So again, let's Let's take that into consideration. But they they say that they figure that mobile will overtake fixed Internet access by 2014. So we're recording this in 2013, which means next year we would see mobile browsing overtake Internet browsing or at least mobile access to the Internet overtake fixed access. Now, while that is coming from a company that is offering up mobile advertising strategies, It's also one of those things that I find easy to believe just based upon the trends we've been seeing so far. Now, maybe it means that it's not really 2014. Maybe it'll be a few more years down the road before we actually see this happen. But I think it is happening.
0: Right. And, you know, whether... Whether it overtakes it or not, it's, it's clearly a um, a functioning revenue source. Um, Facebook reported that as of Q2 of 2013, mobile ads made up 41% of its revenue.
1: Yeah. And in fact, that was one of those things that when Facebook was having its IPO, there was a little bit of a shakeup because Facebook at that point had not really figured out how it was going to handle the mobile ads part of its of its revenue stream. And so they... Discovered that their um, their their revenues for one quarter that year were lower than what ha- they had projected, mm-hmm. and it was partially because everyone was starting to. Well, I say everyone. So many people were starting to use the Facebook mobile app, mm-hmm. or or just to access Facebook on a mobile platform. Which again gives you a totally different experience than, than on a desktop. Right. So uh, it made,
0: it made a lot of investors lose faith in them. And in fact, this, this news, this Q2 2013 news, um, was basically what preempted the, the rebound in Facebook stock this summer. So. Right.
1: It shows how powerful mobile really is. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll talk a little bit more about some of these challenges, uh, in just a minute. But before we do, we're going to take our own little break to thank our sponsor. Okay. So. Let's talk about some of the challenges about mobile advertising. We've touched on some of them already, but we'll we'll kind of have to pull them all into this kind gigantic of cloud of how do we do this, right? So, the type of content you consume might depend upon the device you're using because some devices use certain make certain type of content easier to access or to consume.
0: Uh, for example, if a website is in Flash, probably you're not looking at that
1: on an iOS device anyway. Right you know android for a while supported flash for a while um yeah so you that that's a good example exactly when i don't know about you lauren i don't know how how frequently you you will occasion you know go out to eat at some place where you're not really familiar with the menu but if you've ever had that experience where you click on the menu thing and then you realize that the menu was programmed in flash you probably have had some choice words
0: i have i have cursed the heavens multiple times based on the you yes know,
1: when you are much in
0: much fist shaking has occurred
1: grasp of hanger which is the combination of being hungry and angry at the same time. Lauren and I both suffer from this, so you do not want to be in a room with us when neither of us have had a snack.
0: Yeah, both both of us are, are a tiny bit on the hypoglycemic end, and also have very particular dietary restrictions. So right, it, it makes us so really entertaining the, co-hosts. The longer our Sorry, podcast, no <laughs> the
1: longer our podcast goes, the more likely we are to come to blows. Not because we don't like each other, but because we're hangry. Well. I go into fits of rage when I try and access something like a menu on on a mobile device and that's a perfect example of how companies have to really take that into account when they're designing their their mobile uh, websites or their mobile applications they need to make sure that they are catering to a platform that has its own set of advantages and disadvantages things it can and cannot do mm-hmm. um, and then there's also the concept of content grazing which makes it even more complicated
0: and uh, that is that is the concept that um, that most people when they're on their mobile devices are doing multiple other things at the same time uh, maybe watching TV maybe on their tablet maybe also checking Checking their smartphones simultaneously yeah they
1: might have usually it's two at least two screens, probably more than two screens for some of us where we are consuming things on uh, multiple platforms all at the same time all of which have their own advantages and disadvantages like I just said so and
0: that may or may not be related you know that I think the hope like that if you're watching television is that you're going to be on your tablet looking up extraneous information about that television program.
1: yeah, but, but that's not necessarily the case because sure. let me tell you. How? I have frequently watched, uh, Netflix on my, uh, Xbox 360. There's gonna be a lot of name dropping here. Cause I wanna just point out how insane I am. So I've got my television on. I've got my Xbox 360 on. I'm watching Netflix for that. So that's one thing I've got going on. Meanwhile, I've got my laptop up, and I'm in Google Docs so that I can type in snarky comments about whatever it is I'm watching, because I'm probably doing this for another show I do. So then I've also got my smartphone there where I'm getting all of my status updates from various things because I don't want to have too many tabs open on my laptop. That slows things down for all the snark. So already I've got three screens going. I have a problem. And I'm not alone. It turns <laughs> out there's a lot of people problem,
0: right? And and yeah and, and people cite all kinds of of different reasons for doing this. And, sure. and and it might be it might be that where you just don't want to put down all of your feeds where you have the slight addiction to to all of the information coming in You're all the time. You're very kind to say slight. Ha. Yes, uh, but that is
1: that is one. There's one where it's just I just want something on in the background. I just I can't have it be quiet. I just have to have something on in the background mm-hmm. while I'm doing this other thing. And it's uh-huh. not that I'm paying any attention to that, but I have to have it on.
0: Right. Um. Or even that, uh. you know, during commercial breaks or if something is if you're having load screen issues or something like that, yeah, that, or you, it's just, that you're or, bored.
1: Exactly. That you're bored. And rather than be bored, you want to switch your attention to something else to keep you entertained while you're I'm, waiting for the boring thing to stop.
0: I am so guilty of that. that I is, am, too. That is really – that's a thing that I'm working on.
1: Uh, but, yeah, I, I fall into that same sort of category, and we're not alone. There are a lot of people. And, of course, everyone – Seems to think that they are the ideal multitasker, even though studies have shown repeatedly that the vast majority
0: portion of the population is actually good at multitasking, like
1: one or two percent of the entire population. Right. Everyone else
0: is lying to themselves, me included.
1: Right, right. Everyone else, your performance on every individual task you are trying to do simultaneously declines for a few people, the super taskers. This is not the case. But if you are wondering if you're a super tasker, you're not. I mean it's just safe to say that
0: statistically speaking nope.
1: All right so um there's also uh the the idea that we had before about these these different screen landscapes. The fact that that websites are laid out in a different way depending upon what kind of device you're looking at. You know, if you're using a smartphone, you're going to get a certain layout if you get a tablet it's a different layout. That might be similar to the layout you might get from a laptop or desktop but it's still a little different. It's not, you know, that each one is trying to be optimized for the experience, because one size does not fit all. Like, you can't have one design of a website and expect that to work across all devices. I mean, there's a lot of variety out there, right? Especially
0: right. Yes. And like, like we were saying earlier, there are so many different screen sizes when you get into, uh, Android devices in particular that, um, that it's, yeah, yeah. So, so, okay. So, so you're working with a whole bunch of different devices. Yep. All of which are carried by many different wireless operators.
1: Sure. Uh, yep. working,
0: working upon many different operating systems. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, from many different locations. Oy. Um, so, so location based stuff has to be very particular. Right. Um, uh, the, the, the advertisers creating this content may not actually be personally using the mobile platforms that they're working with and therefore might not be familiar enough with them to really have insight into what will and won't work for, for people. Right. Um, And, and furthermore, um, you know, this is all, uh, new, new-ish, uh, new as of 2007. I would say, I would say it's
1: still very much an emerging kind of technology. I mean, it's, by now, I think from a consumer standpoint, we're looking at it and saying, this is a fairly mature technology at this point. We're seeing, we're seeing refinements, but not giant leaps in evolution from a consumer standpoint.
0: But, but uh, on the back
1: end of it, the, you know, the actual it, creation and delivery of content, it's still like, you know, corporations don't move at the speed of consumers. All right. So we've covered the fact that mobile advertising is hard, yo. Uh, let's talk about some of the, the strategies that have been applied to mobile advertising. We mentioned one, targeted ads, specifically targeting your, uh, your, not just your behaviors, like what your, your past, Uh, browsing habits are, but also your location if you do enable that. Like I said, for most systems, it's an opt-in situation. So you're not being tracked. Forced
0: to do it, right. Or, you know, in in some cases it might be an opt-out, Uh, like default on. Right. I much prefer
1: opt-in, obviously, to opt-out just because it gives the consumer much more transparent control of what is going on with their data but yes you in those cases you will have uh, the ability to reach people and give them ads that are at least have a probability of being more relevant to them than just an you know an an ad from a database of sponsors right Uh, also video ads big big deal with mobile advertising and mobile platforms
0: Uh, because since people aren't necessarily paying uh, you know they're they're not necessarily reading really in-depth articles about stuff on their mobile platforms they might be watching a quick video or listening right. to something
1: yeah there's a lot more uh, video consumption on mobile platforms uh, and you know I remember a few years ago when the the cellular speeds weren't really good enough to give a, a very good experience for vo- uh, video and I was thinking like, oh, this is never going to take off. But of course, once those speeds got better and once the processors got better and the battery life got better on these devices, it became a viable uh a thing, a viable feature. And so a lot of web content creators are making a slow move from traditional web content that you might think of as a uh you know a, a database of articles and start to create more video content. Uh and that it's in part because there, that's the kind of content that people are seeking out. It's the it's easy to consume in these mobile platforms. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean that the content quality changes. It just the actual delivery of it changes. Sure. So uh, you then have a move to start a- inserting video ads into things. But even that gets a little tough. I mean, depending upon what you're using as a way of delivering video to your consumer. For example, if you're using YouTube – YouTube allows people to serve ads against their content. Mm-hmm. And if you do that, then you get a certain percentage of the ad revenue and Google gets the rest.
0: Mm-hmm. right? And it's, and it's not an insignificant amount that Google gets.
1: No, Google Google gets a significant amount of that, you know, depending upon, I don't know if all the agreements are the same across all content creators. I imagine that there are different ones, but at any rate, Google does take a cut of that. And on top of that, Google also has an algorithm where you can sometimes skip an ad if you've ever watched a YouTube Bad. video. skip
0: in five seconds kind right. of thing, right?
1: So skipping that ad, I suspect impacts how much money the, the person who has that content will receive because you've, you've just allowed the user to skip it. Why does Google do this? Well, it's for user experience. You right. know, they, it's to, it's this idea that by doing this, you keep user satisfaction up. And, uh, the algorithm is designed so that there are certain times when you are not going to be allowed to skip an ad, and it doesn't necessarily uh, mean that that particular ad is different from another. It's just that the algorithm has lined it up that way. Um, there are other times where I guess there are ad deals where no matter what, you're never able to skip it because I've, I've seen some ads that di- it didn't matter what video I was watching. That ad was going to play all the way through every time. Um so these deals are complicated. There's no one size fits all approach even with YouTube. And that's just one delivery system. Now there are other ones that are out there on the web. But YouTube's just one of those that's incredibly well known. Right, right. Uh on top of that, you have social platform ads. So this is using stuff like Twitter and Facebook to kind of advertise. So, you know, sponsored tweets, where uh, you'll look at your Twitter feed and you're You'll be looking like,
0: at, I'm not following Burger King.
1: Yeah, why am I seeing this? And it's because it's a promoted tweet that that the company, in this case Burger King, has paid so that you will know that their latest version of the Whopper is available or whatever. And so you'll um you know you'll see that because it's been promoted into Twitter. Um that's one way. Another is of course on platforms like Facebook where you'll see those ads that are maybe along the right rail or occasionally you'll see sponsored in
0: line. Yeah, ad. yeah, mm-hmm. you'll
1: see sponsored stuff pop up in your feed. And again, that stuff that companies have paid for. And and in this case, uh that also tends to be run through some algorithms so that the ads that you see, Lauren, are probably different from the ads that I see.
0: I, I imagine that you get fewer ads for I, my aforementioned example uh, engagement rings than I do because I'm female, and therefore I'm clearly interested in receiving a diamond from somebody pretty yeah, soon.
1: and I'm married, so if I start shopping for engagement rings, I'm going to have some serious questions to answer. Uh, also, yeah, it's also based upon your browsing habits. I know this because I was recently looking at... Uh, uh, a costume piece. I was looking for a specific costume piece and I went to several different websites looking for this, you know, variations on this costume piece. And then I went up back over to Facebook and lo and behold, one of the things I was looking for was right there in the right rail with the other ads. So it was going beyond just my, uh, my experience on Facebook. It was looking at my browsing history. Fun times. <laughs> so, um, it does then filter the various ads that you could get and goes with the ones that you are most likely to find relevant based upon your behaviors and what you've liked in the past mm-hmm. and it may very well be that perhaps that that ad I saw isn't related to my browsing history maybe I liked something in the past that brought it up that's quite possible because and that
0: it was just a coincidence that you that you sure. noticed because your brain had been on that track exactly
1: exactly sure. it could very well be a coincidence I'm not totally on the this is the cause and this is the effect bandwagon. I'm just seventy-five percent there. Huh. So um but then there's also the suggestion that content creators have to find ways to make the stuff they generate easy to consume on mobile devices and it has to be engaging and optimized. And then that means that it needs to be snack sized.
0: Uh, kind of like we were saying with more content moving to video, um this this is this is similar. This is, you know, if you do have an article, have it something that someone can consume Easily and quickly yeah. while they're on a mobile tablet like or a it m- be, mobile platform. It sorry. might
1: be a paragraph as opposed to an article. Sure. It might, you know, you, you'll see a lot of things like uh, images, slideshows. You'll see, um, you know, quick, quick things because the idea is that no one wants to sit and read an in-depth article on a mobile platform, or at least that that's not what the majority wants to do. Because as soon as I say that, I'm going to get a lot of people writing in saying, "I love reading long articles on my mobile device." I'm one of them. I ride the train all the time, so I'll read, I read books on my phone sometimes, Mm -hmm. but I'll also read, you know, really long pieces written in various, uh, uh, publications. Mm -hmm. So I'm outside the norm there, like I am with lots of things. Can't help it. Uh, and then, Also, there's the chance of seeing more sponsored content on mobile platforms. So, in this case, you might see a site or an article brought to you by something. Mm
0: hmm. By fill in the blank. yeah. Yeah.
1: Especially if it's something that's related to whatever the content of that is. Like, if it's a blog that's about a specific thing, like a specific subculture or a specific, like it's, you know, a movie commentary or whatever, you could imagine that that would be sponsored by a company that's related to that subject. Sure. And, um, I mean, obviously that also means that you have examples of editorial content and then there's advertorial content where it's kind of that mix between advertisement Mm -hmm. and editorial. And then there's just ads. Uh, it does mean that there's, there's a lot more navigation needed on the part of the user. Right. If they are, if they're out for something specific.
0: Sure. That's, that's actually a huge problem for me while I'm, while I'm researching, especially topics like this, that, um, that it's hard to tell sometimes whether articles uh from from some of these um
1: marketing companies yeah
0: are are just advertising their own services or if they're making a valid point right i i think that it's hard to say what the future will be of this kind of thing um i mean
1: obviously mobile's going to play a huge part right so we, we know that the question is you
0: know pe- people are trying to innovate new ways of putting ad content and in, into into our our browsing experiences that is going to be um, less disruptive and right. and more natural and and just work out better for everybody. You know, yeah. it's, it's certainly nobody wants the user to have a bad experience. That's not going to make someone more likely to buy a product. Yeah. But at um, the same
1: time, if there's not this support, then the people who are creating the content have to find other ways of making money because, you know, while there's going to be some content created for free on the Internet uh, by people who are just very passionate about whatever it is they're doing. The reality is if you want to make a living at it, then someone has to pay somewhere. Right. right. Cause we're not, uh, we haven't reached a point where I can, uh, release a podcast in return for a sandwich. Although right. I don't, I shouldn't say that because next thing I know, I could be brought in for my annual <laughs> review and say, so we hear you want to be paid in sandwiches. <laughs>
0: Um, I think, I think that's how money works. In fact, you can buy as many sandwiches as you want. What? Um,
1: can I buy other things besides sandwiches? I suppose you could. I'm sold on this money idea.
0: <laughs> um, there, for, for example, while I was doing research for this podcast, uh, I, I ran across a study done by a, um, uh, CEO of a app called Pocket Change. And okay. Pocket Change is an app that lets you earn points for activity on other apps. So.
1: Wow. It's a meta app.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so, you know, you'll, you'll go and, you know, for, for the number of pages that you browse or the number of, um, candies that you crush, I don't know what yeah. that is, you know, et cetera, um, uh, you, you'll earn points that you can exchange for rewards. And, and so it's a, it's another form of advertising. And, and, um. So
1: in this way, what, what this app is doing is encouraging your engagement with other apps and other services. And in return, you get rewarded for it,
0: similar to the way that you earn might earn um, reward points on a credit card. That's
1: ingenious. It's that is incredible. I, I honestly, when I was doing my research, and that's such a simple, elegant way of encouraging people to consume. Yeah, saying, specific types saying do of what you want
0: to do, and right,
1: like here are the things that's going to help you earn points. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and hopefully along the way you are going to enjoy whatever that particular content is. Mm-hmm. And um, obviously some people would just be playing just to accumulate points, but the hope is of course that they're doing, going beyond that and they're actually consuming what it is that people are creating.
0: Right, right. Uh, Microsoft has started doing a, a vaguely similar thing with some of their Microsoft points. You can, you can earn points by, uh, by playing games or by downloading new games. And, Mm. um, and I'm not sure what you can exchange those points for right now exactly because I've earned a grand total of zero of them, but.
1: Lauren's an overachiever.
0: (laughs) And, and, you know, that's not mobile, but, but I think that this is, that kind of gamification is something that that people are starting to think about doing.
1: I can see that. Yeah. So there are some creative ways that people are exploring to try and, and and generate money using the mobile platform experience. Because again, the, the traditional one we've talked about is becoming less relevant over time. It's not like it's irrelevant now. It's not, it's just, it's just slowly declining, or it maybe maybe is even the wrong word, but it's starting to plateau, and then it looks like it's going to decline. So the writings on the wall, really, people have to find other ways of making this work, or else entire companies could end up having to either restructure drastically or even go away because they cannot do Support, business, right? Yeah. so um you know and and you know, it's it's it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. I'm sure that solutions will be proposed, implemented, discarded, refined. We're going to see it. It's never going to be a super clean process that you can point from you know, the beginning to the end and say, and here's the story. It's going to be complex and messy because that's kind of how humans are. But uh, I do think that we will crack this somehow where it's going to be the kind of experience where no one is going to be. Feeling like it was, you know, like like you're being punished for browsing the web. That, that obviously would be the wrong message to show because, like you said, Lauren, I'm not likely to buy something if I'm irritated at my experience. But if it's an experience that is entertaining, it's compelling, I'm feeling rewarded, then I'm much more likely to buy something or to look at a, a particular vendor services. Mm-hmm. So it's just making that work. Yeah, it sounds like a simple idea, but making it work in practice is, is a complex process.
0: Absolutely. I'm well, excited to see where it goes.
1: Me too. Cause you know, I lack my smartphones and I lacks my tablets and I lacks my laptops. <laughs> I so. also
0: like having a job. That's personally. also good.
1: So. <laughs> yes. Considering that the way we work is very much dependent upon this. Uh, yeah, it's, it's important to us on a par- personal level. There's no getting around that. And you know, we love it. So please help us, help us solve this. No, seriously, guys. If you have any suggestions for future episodes of Tech Stuff, maybe you've got a particular technology you've always wanted to hear more about, or maybe there's a, a leader in the tech space that you are dying to learn about. Let us know. Send us a message. Our email is techstuff at discovery dot com, or drop us a line on Facebook or Twitter. You don't have to sponsor the message. Just write on our on our our pages. We'll we'll read it. Uh, you can find us. Our handle is techstuff HSW. You can
0: also find us on Tumblr under that screen name. You have
1: to do this every time. Like, we literally just did this an hour ago and I still forget. Yes, you can find us on Tumblr and it is really good, good uh content there. Lauren is 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 curating an amazing tumblr page so go check Thank that you, out you're, you're just good work i i made that tumblr page what like two years ago how much was on that tumblr page when you went there lauren uh
0: there was literally nothing on that tumblr page aside from the title of the podcast
1: there you go that i pretty I, that pretty much says it all lauren that pretty much <laughs> says it all all right guys so i hope you enjoyed this episode let us know what you think and uh, we will talk to you again really soon